minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome to episode 86 of the Pack a Day Podcast. As always, you can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another show. I am super happy to be here, Kyle. This is episode 86, which, of course will be celebrated by us as the Brandon Bostic episode. And just <laughs> like Mr. Bostic, I will neglect to block for you during this episode and instead go for the ball to be the hero that I know I am deep down inside. I mean, you could have gone with Antonio Freeman or even someone like Donald Lee, right? But no, true to your brand, you went with Brandon Bostic. That's just a cold start to this episode, Andrew. Always. Always. But before we uh, get into some more serious Packers discussion, I need to get your take on something a little bit more serious. Um, Where are you at with this whole pumpkin spice debate, Andrew? What are your thoughts on our society's ability to make pumpkin-flavored anything and everything? It it must be the bi-week episode if this is what we're talking about. (laughs) we got to talk about pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. It is gross. Uh, you you can really gauge the awfulness of that based on all the pumpkin spice garbage that ends up in the clearance aisles um, all across the country in mid-November. I believe pumpkin spice is the Kyler Fackrell of flavors. <laughs> Does that mean it like just shows up like in weird places you wouldn't expect it, but never is as good as it should be? Something like that. Nice. Or that people are weirdly obsessed with it on Twitter for n- <laughs> absolutely no reason. That's quality. I was actually nervous that we weren't going to see eye to eye on this, but I'm so glad that we do. Um, I live in the St. Louis area, and so there are times that I have to be a little bit creative about ways that I find uh, to watch the Packers because they're not always on local TV. So one or two games a year, I will end up at Buffalo Wild Wings uh, to watch the games. And this week I saw that Buffalo Wild Wings has a new fall flavor. You guessed it. They have pumpkin spiced wings. It ain't so... Oh, it's terrible. And this is from Buffalo Wild Wings themselves. And I quote, it's fall favorite flavor. Ale mixes with barbecue flavors and pumpkin spice for a taste of the season. Now, I can get on board with pumpkin muffins and I can even have a pumpkin spice latte or two every fall just to be festive. But let me be absolutely clear here. You can't pumpkin spice chicken. This is just getting out of control. Something needs to be done here. Buffalo Wild Wings has crossed the line and clearly has no respect for their own product and the integrity of the chicken wing. So, you know, this is that's the end of my rant. I will move on to actual Packers content now. But this week, go ahead and hit us up on that Twitter machine with your Packers opinions. But also let us know where you stand on this pumpkin spice debacle. Let's solve this thing once and for all. More importantly, to get us back on track, if I understand correctly, you were actually in attendance at Lambeau for Monday night's roller coaster game against the 49ers. So uh, tell me, what was it actually like to be there and what was that emotional experience like on Monday? So, like, number one, the crowd was kind of bad. Uh, that's not super atypical. Lambo is not always the loudest atmosphere in the NFL. But it was even more dead than usual. 
for the first three and a half quarters. And in fact, there was a decent segment of fans who left with four and a half minutes to go after the failed fourth down conversion. No. <laughs> yeah, I I tried to tell them it's it's a little early to be giving up on the team. Um, but they're, the, the Packers' uninspired play seemed to wear off on everybody in attendance. It was hard to stomach the 49ers' offense moving the ball up and down the field. And... Um, my counter to that was I said several on several different occasions, I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to lead them back to victory if the defense could just get a few stops. And in fact, the defense got more stops than they really needed to. And the offense stalled a couple times in the fourth quarter. Um, but I kept making jokes to my friend that attended the game with me before every single play that Equinemius St. Brown was going to be wide open. Um, every play I said, <laughs> this is the play where Equinemius St. Brown is going to be wide open. It's going to be a touchdown pass. Um, and of course, I had to wait until almost the last play of the game for him to get his first catch. I did like the way they threw him out there against Richard Sherman as a decoy on most plays. And I just had a flashback to how they used Devontae Adams in his rookie year against the Seahawks. Uh, ESB, of course, got rewarded with that chance late in the fourth quarter. And he showed the the elite athleticism that had me so excited about him as a draft prospect. So that was very exciting for me. Absolutely. I actually, that was one of my favorite plays of the game. And I actually tried to explain to my wife how incredible that catch was. And some movement skills that really you only see from maybe like a a Jordy Nelson coming back to the ball on a back shoulder or Randall Cobb. Um, And my wife was just like not having it. I was like, no, you don't understand. This is like an incredible play. She's like, I'm sure it was like, whatever. Uh, But am I a little jealous that you were there at the game? Uh, But now to be outdone, I spent my Monday evening in the comfort of my own living room, mostly in silence. Uh, Once in a while, I would throw my hands up in disbelief or mutter something under my my breath as I watched C.J. Beathard threaten to beat this Green Bay team, um, and I was actually foolish enough to pick up the Packers' defense in a fantasy football league that I'm in because Oof. I figured, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, like it's C.J. Beathard; he's leading this 49ers team. Uh, but that did not end well for me. Um, but in the end, we did finish this game with another magical performance from Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and a fairy tale esque story of redemption for Mason Crosby as he hit that walk off field goal for the win. So it. It wasn't pretty, but we are here sitting at three, two, and one on a bye week in week seven of the NFL season. And so there's a lot of football left to be played and a lot to still learn about what this football team is going to be this year. Um, Andrew, do you have any other quick takeaways from Monday's game that you want to hit us with? Yeah, and not to harp on Equinemius St. Brown too much, but I do remember us talking about him in the preseason and one play where he caught the ball over the middle and stuck his foot in the ground and and made a quick turn. And we were joking about how he looked like a 6'5 version of Randall Cobb on that play. Well, we saw that again in the comeback attempt against the Detroit Lions where he made a very, very similar play, stuck his foot in the ground, got up the sideline um, and made a long dash there. And then again, we see his ability to contort his body on the sidelines and that is really impressive the guy is 21 there is a ton to work with right there and I do have to say I was really impressed by the young receivers Um, and here is something you never thought you would hear from me I thought Kyler Fackrell played really well in fact (laughs) I, I thought he played better on Monday than he did in his three sack performance wow so 
you know, honestly, for me, it was an ugly game. It was more of a sense of relief than a elation over a victory. But teams that are successful at the end of the year can typically point to a game or two they shouldn't have won, but somehow came out on top. You'd love for the Packers to go out and crush Sam Fran. But if they win the division by a game or get maybe even a home field advantage spot by a game or a tiebreaker, you point to a game like that as a reason they were able to do that. So switching gears a little bit on this week seven bye week edition of the podcast, we do have a little bit of extra time and we wanted to talk a little bit about holes in the roster and creative ways we could fill them. So Kyle and I are going to play a little fantasy general manager, one of my favorite games. So the challenge for today was to find a couple of moves that could improve the Packers roster for the rest of the season. And we encourage you to find us on Twitter and tell us how good or bad these ideas are. So Kyle, why don't you get us kicked off? Nice. Awesome. You're opening the door for us to be just criticizing grill. That's awesome. That, uh, but that's I'm, really my goal. <laughs> um, I want to start with um, the Oakland Raiders um, are obviously a mess right now. Uh, there are rumors that the Raiders are interested in trading both star wide receiver and former first round pick Amari Cooper and former first round pick Carl Joseph, the safety. And now I'm personally not super interested in Amari Cooper. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think he's a super talented player and one who could be used a lot better than he's been used the last couple of years in Oakland. But if you trade for Cooper, you're probably giving up at least a second round pick and you're agreeing to take on his fifth year option in 2019, which is a $14 million cap hit, which is a huge number. So I'm kind of out on Cooper. Uh, but the Raiders, Carl Joseph is intriguing to me. He hasn't been nearly as good as the Raiders hoped he would be when they drafted him, but he hasn't been absolutely terrible either. He has some upside and room for growth. Uh, one of the things that scouts liked about Joseph when evaluating him was his versatility. He's never going to be that elite, rangy, single high safety, uh, but he was billed as an above average cover guy who could also mix it up in the box. Um, now, the success rate on giving players like Joseph a second chance in the league isn't great, uh, but the buzz around Raiders Twitter is that he could be had for a late day three pick, maybe like a sixth round pick. And so if you can get a player like Carl Joseph and give him a change of scenery, I would definitely take that roll of the dice, especially when he has a chance to come in and immediately better uh, that secondary group and be better than Kentrell Bryce. Um, Andrew, what are you going to propose that we do as GM of the Packers? Well, I have a few ideas, but I did want to reflect on a couple things. Number one, when it comes to um, Carl Joseph, yeah, typically players don't just suddenly become uh, significantly better um, when they're traded or, or cut and picked up. But I think with safety, you do see a lot of late bloomers, and so Joseph is an intriguing prospect. And then also you brought up the Raiders and you yeah. didn't mention Jordy Nelson. So any interest in bringing Jordy back? Yeah, they could like throw him in as like a, you know, like two for one deal or something like that. Bring him home and uh, just laugh as we pay him the contract that they agreed to pay him. Someone uh, or somewhere, I should say, is Jordy's number one fan, Janelle Mackey and fellow co-host of Pack-A-Day podcast celebrating somewhere that, <laughs> that we found a way to get Jordy back. That's right. So when we when we talked about doing this segment, I wanted to get super crazy and and just spitball some things that have no chance of happening but would work in theory. So I'm going to get super crazy and talk about how the Packers could orchestrate a trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers 
So in this proposal, the Packers are going to trade. Oh, Andy's Don't say this be, out loud. He's going to no. be so mad. So Don't mad. Say it. The Packers trade running back Aaron Jones and a third round pick to the Steelers for Le'Veon Bell. So why would the Steelers do this? First of all, they don't want to bring back an angry player halfway through the season who's probably going to be a pretty high injury risk and is going to leave at the end of the year anyways. Um, But right now they're relying on James Conner, who's doing an admirable job. But Aaron Jones would be a really excellent compliment. And I have to think that no team is going to be willing to part with higher than a second round pick for half a season of Bell. The Packers would be giving the Steelers an excellent young runner and a draft pick to acquire a difference maker that, quite frankly, they've never had at running back. Bell could be the bell cow, nice. pun pun fully intended, an incredible weapon of the backfield, and even line up at slot receiver on passing downs. And even if he can't be re-signed, the Packers would still get that third-round comp pick back in 2020 to make up for the lost pick in 2019. Obviously, this is super highly unlikely to happen, without a long-term deal, and Green Bay's probably not going to invest in an expensive running back, but it is one solution that improves pretty much every element of this offense. And if the Packers aren't going to use Aaron Jones anyways, right, Mike McCarthy? (laughs) Maybe they can get someone McCarthy would be forced to use. That is a really interesting proposal, and actually a really interesting point about you getting that third-round comp pick back in 2020 um, as an interesting point in that deal. I would expect that this is the one that will have your Twitter mentions full uh, for the next week as we talk about uh, possibly trading Aaron Jones, so be prepared for that. Um, One other move that I would consider making as Fantasy GM, and one that's a lot less sexy than Le'Veon Bell, would be to give offensive guard Jari Evans a call. Remember Jari, um, I've become famous for my distrust of Justin McCray on this podcast, and he's been beat up the season, and Byron Bell has actually taken over at right guard. But regardless of who is playing the position, right guard is clearly a position of weakness on this roster. Uh, Evans is an aging vet for sure, but could come in and more than likely provide an instant upgrade at right guard. Uh, earlier this season, I saw some fans tweeting at Evans saying that he should be playing in the league this year, and his response actually confirmed that he was waiting for a call. So as fantasy GM, I'd like to sing a spring back, Evans, to provide some veteran stability on this offensive line. Um, One more note on this topic of right guard is that Lucas Patrick actually got some limited snaps on Monday night in relief of Byron Bell and did a really nice job with that opportunity. So on Twitter on Thursday, uh, Ben Fennell, a friend of the podcast, actually shared a highlight of Patrick doing work on a screenplay. um, And then later... Aaron Jones actually got on Twitter and retweeted that highlight of Patrick. So it'll be worth watching to see if maybe Lucas Patrick showed enough in that game to earn some more time at right guard as Byron Bell is certainly not a lock to remain the starter for the rest of the season. So something to uh, watch as we continue and go forward this season with Lucas Patrick. And I said something nice about Kyler Fackrell tonight. So my challenge for you is to think about something nice to say about Justin McCray for next week. Okay, it's let's gonna, be working on that. It's okay? going to be so hard. So okay. my my obsession with big names, uh, we're going to go with the Arizona Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson. He is still an elite cornerback, uh, but he could potentially be moved by Arizona because they're facing a pretty steep rebuild. He's signed to an extremely reasonable contract for a player of his caliber, and he signed through 2020, plus he's only 28 years old. So we're talking about big draft compensation going back 
to Arizona's way. Plus, once he starts to slow down, he is definitely the kind of player who could have a very similar career arc to Charles Woodson, maybe play a little safety, maybe play a little slot. So would the Packers be willing to part with maybe a first rounder plus for Peterson? Maybe. Would they be able to fit his salary under the cap? Probably not. But it is fun to dream how elite the secondary could be by moving Tremont to safety full-time, which would help out HaHa Clinton Dix, and then lining up Peterson across from guys like Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, Bashad Breland. That's a secondary with a <laughs> heck of a lot more options than what we're used to in Green Bay. Absolutely. That would be one stellar secondary. And Peterson's contract actually gets cheaper in the last two years of his deal. So if the if the, uh, if the Arizona Cardinals were willing to move on from him at this time in his contract, it would actually be very advantageous to a team who acquired him. Yeah, um, yeah and that's interesting because they might even have a harder time fitting his contract under the cap for this year than they would going down the line when they open up a lot more room. Absolutely. So if you can steal a player of his caliber, it's definitely a good idea. Um, One other Arizona Cardinal that I'd like to talk about is Hassan Reddick. Rumors are that the Cardinals are frustrated with Reddick's ability to pick up the playbook. But context here is really huge in this situation. If you remember this, Reddick was a former safety turned pass rusher in college for Temple, uh, but he projected best as an athletic off-ball linebacker in the NFL. Uh, Well, here we are less than a year and a half into his NFL career, and the Cardinals seem ready to move on from him, which just seems crazy. Uh, Now, I said context is really important when we're talking about Reddick because he's had two defensive coordinators and two defensive schemes, and they've asked him to bounce back and forth between linebacker and pass rusher. So, Obviously, he has had some trouble settling in, learning the playbook and these kinds of things, getting comfortable at one position. But that's what you would expect. Like, that's the situation he's been in. So if I'm the Packers and I can get Reddick for, say, a fifth round pick, I'm all about it. And I think that that's an opportunity to upgrade a linebacker group and let Hassan play where he's best suited to play. Yeah, Reddick is really interesting. And I absolutely loved him, I think, just like you did in that pre-draft process. There are even more really interesting trade candidates from the Cardinals, which include former first-round pick Dayon Buchanan, who is another linebacker who has some um, really interesting athletic traits, and then also pass rusher Chandler Jones, who they could be looking to move on from. So um, the Cardinals could be sellers, and the Packers could be buyers, and maybe they, they match up as potential trade partners. Moving on a little bit from our fantasy GM, which was a heck of a lot of fun, We will have a preview of the game against the L.A. Rams next week, and we're going to save it for then. But, Kyle, how do the people of St. Louis feel about the L.A. Rams? So most people in St. Louis hate the Rams. Uh, More specifically, they hate the NFL and the Rams owner for leaving town. Uh, I do know a few Rams fans who continue to follow the team um, after they left, but it's still a pretty sore subject around here. And I always use it as an opportunity to try to convince people that they should cheer for a team that is owned by the fans like the Green Bay Packers. Uh, You can't get screwed by your owner if you don't have one. So that's my selling point as I invite people to jump on the Packers bandwagon. So if the season ended today, the Packers' own own pick would be at number 22, and the pick traded from the Saints would be 30th. On last week's show, I definitely embarrassed myself by saying the Saints were playing the Ravens when, in fact, they were on their bye week. So that's what you get for looking ahead. They do, in fact, play the Ravens this Sunday. I, I promise this time I'm right. In a late afternoon game. So once again, we're going to hope that Joe Flacco is elite 
and helps improve the Green Bay Packers draft position. So this has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to follow us at Packaday Podcast as well. Please subscribe to the Packaday Podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode will be hosted by Mike and Tyler. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday. We'll be back next Friday with a preview of the Packers Week 8 game with the L.A. Rams. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Just outside the four. Roger shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dunker! The dunker to Andrew Paulus on the right side! Aaron pointing to the right now. Gets the snap. Looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Leaping right yes! to Yes! Touchdown Green Bay! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end Rodgers from the 42 New York, fourth down and two. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, scrambles right. 